And there's one more thing I want to tell you about before we dive into the podcast. If you want your life transformed in 2023, if you want to go from where you are now to where you want to get, message me. Let me know. Go to davidnurse.com. Check out the info for this. This is the transformation, the high achievers transformation group. I have been blessed to help over 2,000 people, NBA players, coaches, CEOs, everything, everyone transform their life and I can absolutely help you get there. Whether it's something you want in a relationship, in your business, in your mindset, something you are not doing that we will unlock, give you the game plan, give you the blueprint and help you transform your life in 2023. Please message me. All right, now time for the show. You are about to get your mind blown. Pat Lynchoni or pronounced Lencioni. Welcome to the David Nurse Show, where we optimize for excellence. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. And just before the podcast, we're talking about all our mutual friends, John Gordon, Eric Spolstra. You have just poured so much value into so many people. Pat, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Excited about having you on this conversation today. I'm totally excited to be here. In fact, we just figured out that we were supposed to have dinner together with mutual friends that we didn't know we were supposed to be there. I couldn't make it. And so here we are finally getting together. And then we're just rescheduling some time in Los Angeles. So you, we're going to make you come out here to me. Perfect. I love that setup. There you go. Hey, start us <laughs> off with a bang, something that, that maybe not everybody knows about you. We know you're this, this phenomenal author, speaker, just thought leader, but something a little bit different about, about you, Pat. Well, I'll tell you two things. First of all, because I'm on your podcast, I'm going to say I wanted to be a point guard in the NBA. That was my goal in life when I was a kid. And I was a, and since you're a shooting guy, I was a shooter, but here's, I'm going to date myself. When I played high school basketball, first of all, I was five, seven. So, and I'm only five, nine and a half now, but there was no three-point line. So all of the shots I took would have been three-pointers, but at the time, they were only worth two. So I was a shooter, and I love basketball, and so you probably didn't know that about me, but I um, when I saw you did that you did this, I was like, oh, man, I wish I could have played pro basketball, but I was 5'9", so anyway. Wow. You, you know what's incredible? Like, I don't know how you played basketball without having a three-point line. I don't think I could have done it. I know. And there was no reward. I shot from that far out, not because it was more points, because that's the only way I could get a shot off because I was so short. Yeah. So okay. there was no shot clock either. We will tell Spo to give us a chance. Maybe we'll have him do a fantasy camp so we can live out our fantasies of playing on an NBA floor. <laughs> that sounds great. The other thing that's kind of interesting about me is that uh, a lot of people don't know, I, I had a serious case of, and still do, but it's treated, but of obsessive compulsive disorder growing up. And I wasn't diagnosed till I was 25. So I, I did a lot of weird, and I hit a lot of weird behaviors and had a lot of worries that people didn't know. And I was 25 when we, I figured out what that was. So most people don't know that, but it was, a, it was quite a, a, a challenge growing up. Yeah, man, interesting. Okay, two very interesting things that nobody knows about you. What people do know about you is the, the author of the uh, Five Dysfunctions of a Team and just all these amazing books. Was there a, a, a moment, bring us back, was there a moment when you realized leadership was your calling, that you knew like this is what you were meant to do? 
and talk us through that a little bit. And also, like, I'm sure it didn't come easy. There's a lot of roadblocks that keep people back from reaching their success. Is there any just just pivotal moment that that you could have given up, but you continue to persevere that stands out to you? That feeling when you are just recharged, you don't have any sickness, no ailments, you have full optimal energy, you are functioning at your highest level. You want to recreate that? Yeah, sure, you do, I do, we all do. And then you can times it by 10. What I'm about to tell you is going to blow your mind. So hold on here. This this is real. Hyperbaric chamber. If you don't know what it is, look it up right now. Look up Eleve Health. E-L-E-V-E health.com. It's an oxygen miracle. What it is, HBOT, the hyperbaric chamber. It's a simple and non-invasive therapy where you go into this. It places a body in a pressurized environment that allows extra oxygen to dissolve in the blood plasma and travel freely throughout your circulatory system, getting more red blood cells flowing naturally to the body's function. It's going to help you kill off any harmful bacteria. It's going to help you detox, increase your oxygen concentration, resist and fight infection, heal wounds faster, improve oxygen supply, reduce swelling, stop infection, lower inflammation, all while you're relaxing in the chamber. I I, I kid you not, this is what the pros, the top Olympic athletes, what everybody uses for the highest optimization recovery. This is called Hyperbaric Chamber, HBOT, from Eleve Health, E-L-E-V-E health.com. Message me separately, too, if you want to get a specific deal on this. Check it out as you're a sports team, if you're an individual, if you're just somebody who loves optimization, it will be an absolute life changer for you. That's interesting. So I think that it was when I was a little kid, I was fascinated by the world of work because of my dad. He had this thing called a job and I didn't know what it was, but I knew it frustrated him more than it should have. And I was like, very early, I was like, what's the deal with all that work stuff? And then I got my first job out of college at, at the most sought after management consulting firm in the world. And, and that was my first pivot point because I didn't succeed because what they wanted me to do, I was terrible at. And I didn't know it at the time until this most recent book, why I failed at that. So then I, I got another job and I thought, how in the world am I ever going to get into doing leadership and organizational work? And it was a pivotal moment because I, I was in a miserable job and I thought, how am I going to do this? And I heard the, the, one of the, the executives at this big company I worked at speak and he said something about, I want to be, I want to make my organization the best in the country for, for employee satisfaction. And I said, here's my chance. So I put together a presentation for him and I went and cold called this executive. I didn't know him. And I said, I want you to hire me. I want you to create a job and a department and I'm going to help you do that. I wrote an article, like here's what the wall street journal is going to write about you. And here's what I would do for you. And here's how the future is going to play out. And he hired me. And that was the pivotal moment in my life when I went from, doing things I was bad at to actually getting to be in this field. And it was purely a moment of the grace of God and saying, go pitch it, go, go take a risk, go tell this guy that you'll do this. And he literally hired me and created a a position for me that didn't really exist until that time. 
God, isn't that incredible? I mean, that is just you going for it. That is you taking action on it. That's that's how I got into the NBA by cold calling every NBA GM. But it's it, it's crazy because you would have been at the same exact spot had you not taken that chance. Amazing. You know something? Here's what's interesting. Like I was a screenwriter. I, when I was in college, I, I took a screenwriting class. And I wasn't, I was poor. I grew up poor. My dad said, you're going to study economics and accounting and computers so you can get a job. I hated all those things pretty much. I barely hung on to economics. And then I took a screenwriting class. And I remember everybody said, everyone in Hollywood is writing a screenplay and you live down there. The thing is, that's true, but very few finish it and actually send it in. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I did. Ron Howard's company, Imagine Entertainment, actually read one of my screenplays because I hustled and I was like, I'm going to get it in there and I'm going to send it. And I, I followed up and it, I decided not to go in that direction because that wasn't going to be the lifestyle for me. But it's like, I'm surprised. I always assumed that the world is full of people that want to do things, but there's very few that actually put the line in the water and fish. And right. just like you, how many people were willing to call every NBA team and do that? Not that many. Yeah. It's crazy. You know? People will have ideas, but the people that actually follow through and take action on it, and and by the way that you're talking about it, and just knowing you and, and what you stand for is the value add. Everybody wants something fast. They want something quick. But you continue to pour into other people, and that's when it all comes back to you in the end. And, and you've done, yep. I mean, you've literally made your life that, and your success has been a byproduct of that. You know, every book I write, David, I think literally, literally every book I write, I think somebody else has already must have written this already. I do too. And and then people go, wow, because my books are really simple. Yeah. And but I think that people we all assume that. We all assume, well, nobody else, people don't probably need this. And I'm like, I'm gonna write this. I think people need this. And people go, Wow, this is so great. And I think, wow, so nobody else had written that book. You know, John Gordon, a mutual friend of ours, will do a plug for John Gordon, one of my favorite people in the world. Yes. His books are fantastic, but they're simple. Yeah. But he knows that people need to be reminded of these really important things in creative ways. So man, that's what simple, I do. Simple and powerful. And it's it's funny you bring that up too, is the the five dysfunctions of a team. Like when, when they tell you making titles, they're like, oh, everybody say, don't put anything negative in it. People don't want to read negative. But yet this is the book that goes the opposite way and becomes a bestseller and literally like every sports team and company reads this book. Did you have any, I just got to say, like, did you have any like pushback of like, don't put dysfunctions in there? Yes. In fact, our publisher said at the time, the public, one of the people at the publishing house said two things, the book, the world doesn't need another book about teams. Yeah. And we were like, ah, uh, well, <laughs> but that's what it's about. So let's just do it anyway. And we looked, they, they said, make it positive. And I, and, and I remember thinking from a marketing standpoint, David, you're married, right? Yes. And, and if somebody wrote a book saying five ways to have a perfect marriage, I don't know. I'd be kind of like, I don't think anybody has a perfect marriage. I'll probably feel bummed out if I read it. But if it said five ways to destroy your marriage forever, I'd at least want to look at the contents and see which ones I might be doing. And sometimes with limitations, sometimes it's appealing to people's pain that allows them to go, I want to learn about that. Now, I, I, I pushed it too far, though. I wrote a book called The Three Signs of a Miserable Job. That was one of my books. But nobody could take the book to work because they, their manager would say, hey. so we had to retitle it, The yeah. Truth About Employee Engagement. So sometimes it doesn't work. 
So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but I mean, that's that's such a good point. Like people have pain avoidance. And if you write something and showing them like, well, avoid these points and I mean, you will have a more fulfilling life. Sure, they're going to read it. So kudos to you to go against the grain. Well, thanks. And I think people also knew what we found is that people knew that their teams were dysfunctional. It wasn't like admitting your team is dysfunctional is is that hard. And and people were like, yes, but it we're, but we weren't trying to say your team is bad. We're trying to say that's the normal state of affairs in the world. We're, you know, we're flawed human beings. Yeah, absolutely. We are. But I want to get into this new book that you have, which I think is an incredible title in itself too: the six types of working genius just makes me want to, to unpack what these six types are, see if I have any of these six types. But it's kind of like, I mean, it's kind of like, a, like an Enneagram meets a love language. So you're able to have a self-awareness of what type that you are. But, but I, and now correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think any type is better than the other, but it's just understanding no. how people can work together to make this, this working genius for a team. So can you just... Can we unpack some of these and, and we can sure. go over all the points, however you want to do this. Okay. Unbelievable here. My new favorite product for health. Crazy that I hadn't heard of this before. Pendulum. Pendulumlife.com. Let me break this down for you. Okay. So we know that glucose spikes is what makes us fat, added fat. They have Pendulum glucose control which supports your metabolic health. Metabolism is the key thing to burning fat, staying in great shape. This glucose control, it helps lower your glucose spikes, boost your metabolism, supports gut health. Yeah, you better believe I'm using that. And they have what's called Acromanzia. Okay, so check this out. This is the first and only brand, Pendulum, to offer Acromanzia. It is the key strain for gut health. It nourishes and regulates the gut lining, which we know the gut lining, the gut microbiome, is basically like our second brain. They feed each other. Acromanzia nourishes the gut microbiome, helps you support a healthy weight, and literally helps you stay healthy and not get sick over time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, seriously, I've been using this, and my gut is Awesome. Glucose control. Awesome. Feel with ton of energy. Haven't been getting sick. Pendulum. Pendulumlife.com. They are changing the game in probiotics. No longer do you have to guess. That's the worst. You order something from Amazon. You're like, yeah, I hope this works. Yeah, you don't have to guess anymore. Pendulum is changing the game of gut microbiome. And just for you, for listening to this podcast, code David. 20 at checkout. Go to pendulumlife.com. Notes with well, this will be in the show notes. This is P E N D U L U M life.com. Code David 20. I'm telling you, this <laughs> it's the real deal. Check it. Sure. First of all, I'm a junkie for all those other tools like Myers Briggs and, and yeah. DISC and all these things. So you mentioned those. This one is different, and, and I didn't sit down. I, I, I really like to tell people that I didn't sit down to come up with a new one. This came about by accident because of my own frustration, and I, that's good because sometimes I think the world needs another tool. I didn't think it did until we stumbled upon this. So I was actually, David, frustrated in my own career, working at my own company where I was the leader, and I love what we do. 
But I was coming to work and getting frustrated, and I didn't know why. And one of my colleagues said to me one day, why are you, why are you like that? What makes you grumpy? And I said, I don't know, but I really want to figure this out. And so that day, over the course of four hours, I just sat there and by the grace of God, came up with these six different things, some of which I loved, some of which I hated, some of which were in the middle. And it, it explained everything for me. I wasn't trying to come up with a model. I was just trying to explain myself. Well, that very night, one of our consultants saw the model on the whiteboard and, and took it and shared it with the CEO client the next morning. And the guy had tears in his eyes and he says, oh, this is my problem. And then by the next thing you knew, everybody I knew that came to my house or my office was doing this and we realized there was something universal. So, so I like to tell people that because we discovered this. I don't think I invented it. I think we discovered this and there seems to be so much face validity. So basically you said you want to find out if you have any of these. You do. There's yeah. these six different things and two of them are your working genius. You know what that means, David? You do them because they give you joy and energy. You right. can't stop doing them. And you're naturally great at them because that's a God-given gift. Good. Okay? So so I like to say those two, your genius, are like when you pour coffee into a thermos, like a, a Yeti mug or something, you you screw on the top. And it'll you can hold your energy and your heat for hours and hours and hours because you're naturally inclined toward that. Two of... Of those six, which we're going to go over in a second, are what I call your working competencies. You're okay at them, and you don't hate them, but they don't really feed you. That's like pouring coffee into a Starbucks cup and putting a lid on it. It'll stay warm for quite a while. <laughs> the last two, we call your working frustration. That's like pouring coffee into a cup that has a hole in the bottom, <laughs> and it drains you of your joy and energy. So everybody that's listening to this, two of these things you are meant to do. Two of them, you can power through when you need to. The other two, you shouldn't have to power through too often because it'll drive you crazy. So let's go through the six really fast, let's okay? And we're going to start at 50,000 feet at the highest level, like head in the clouds. And we're going to, by the end, the sixth one will be on the ground, feet on the ground, okay? Because it starts like every piece of work starts with your head up in the clouds with the genius of wonder. So that's the first genius, the genius of wonder. wonder. Some people are born with the natural affinity for pondering things and asking questions and, and looking around them and saying, why is the world like this? Is there a better way? Should this be different? This is the first, and it's a critical genius that people have. Most people who have it have never been rewarded for it. And most of them have been told, why are you still asking questions? Just go along with the plan. Every new thing starts with somebody with a genius of wonder, like, I wonder why people don't have breakthroughs in their lives. I wonder why so many people get stuck. The work you do started with a question like, is this really the best people can do? Yep. Right? So there are people in the world who naturally do that. My wife is one of them. She's a wonderer, right? And it's head in the clouds. But of course, if we stopped there, nothing would ever get done. The next genius is required. And so we come out of 50,000 feet down to about 40,000. And it's the genius of invention. And this is the gene. And people think all the geniuses in the world are inventors. It's just not true. Some people are naturally inclined to come up with new ideas. They, they come up with ideas out of nothing. They, they, I wake up every morning wanting to come up with a new idea out of nothing. I stand in the shower and I come up with ideas. And you know something, David? 
sometimes it's not necessary. Sometimes people don't need a new idea. I can't help it. It doesn't mean I should do it all the time, but it means, man, you give me a job with a white, a blank whiteboard and a pen and say, Pat, come up with something. I'm, I'm at my happiest. Now my son, Matt, that's his least favorite. That's a working frustration for him. So I'll say, why don't you just come up with something? And he's like, you know why? Because that's a working. I hate doing that. Please don't make me do that. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Mm. So it starts with wonder and then it goes down to invention. Now we're coming down a little closer to the ground and the next genius is called discernment. This is a really important one to understand. People with the genius of discernment, they just they have gut feel that's just extraordinary. Their instincts are right. They, and it's, it's not magic. It's like they, they have good pattern recognition and they, they know how to kind of see through things. And what's, it's called integrative thinking. It's not about data. You just ask them. And you know, there are coaches that just like, I think I know what we're going to do. And people are like, well, what's the data? And they're like, the data is right here in my stomach. It tells me, everything tells me this is the right thing to do. And some people are just naturally wired to do that. They're the kind of people that you would ask for advice. Even if they didn't have domain expertise, you know, they would just give you really good advice. A woman in our office, I like to talk about Tracy, has great discernment. My wife, almost every week, will say, ask Tracy what to do. (laughs) Hey, Laura, should we get a new house? Where should we go on vacation? She'll say, ask Tracy. She just kind of knows. And I work with a lot of people around me that have good. Now, if I, if I said, prove it to me with a spreadsheet, they'd say, now I'm out of my element. Yeah. So discernment, really good instincts and judgment is the third, the Mm. third um, genius. Now already, I'm sure that because of the kind of work you do, one or two of those three is probably your genius. Yes. Invention, the ideas in the shower, that is totally me discernment is totally my wife, not me. So yes, I'm, I, and I think wonder might be on the second level. So I think I'm at one discernment. No, throw that out. That's at the bottom. That's, that's pouring it through the hole of the Starbucks cup. So I'm excited to hear these next three. I want to, I'm going to see where I'll connect. If I connect with one of these. And see, that's a beautiful thing because you can actually say, I'm going to honor my wife because she's good at that. She'll help me and I can, and I can help her. And it literally has changed my marriage and a lot of other marriages that have gone through this because we can now literally acknowledge what we're not good at without feeling criticized or judged and honor other people's genius. So the next one I think might be one of yours, but I don't know for sure. And that's called galvanizing. Galvanizers are the people that wake up in the morning and love to get in front of people and exhort them and inspire them and encourage them to change. Yep. Right? You got me. And so, yep. That's what I thought. So, and, and you're, so if your combination is invention and galvanizing, that's called the, the, um, evangelizing innovator. They come up with new ideas and love to get people excited about them. Now I, I'm not a galvanizer. I can come on a podcast or give a speech, but it kind of wears me out to, to have to remind people in every day. Mm-hmm. And that's how this whole model came about, David, is I would come to work wanting to invent and discern. Those are my two geniuses. And every day I had to galvanize and it was wearing me out. And people would say, but you're good at it. And I'm like, yeah, but it's crushing me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Just because you're good at something doesn't mean you love it and that it feeds you. And, you know, there's professional athletes that retire early and you go, why? And they're like, I didn't really like it. Yeah, totally. I was good at it. Yeah, I'm 6'10 yeah. and I, I learned how to do this. But frankly, I really like to go home and do other things. And so, again, just because sometimes you're good at something doesn't mean it's the thing you should do. But galvanizing, there are people in the world who love to exhort people and get up and remind them. And I saw on your website, like, people can literally sign up and meet with you because you could galvanize people all day long, can't you? Yeah, totally. It juices me up. I literally, like, that's the part of even in NBA coaching, when I was coaching the NBA, I love basketball. I love the X's and O's. But more than that, I love the encouragement and literally galvanizing people on a daily basis. And look at the books behind you. Breakthrough yeah. and Pivot and Go. They're like galvanizing books. Come <laughs> on. You can totally. do this. <laughs> exactly. And so that's your thing. Yep. And like your wife, you're going to go home tonight and tell your wife and she's going to go, oh my gosh. And the, the evangelizing innovator, you know, and she's going to go, well, that's, that's exactly you. That's such right. a cool title too. Maybe I just, maybe like if I create business cards, it's just going to be David Nursey. <laughs> yeah. Take that. It's good, man. So there's two, there's two left though. So yeah. let's get into these. We got? After, after you galvanize people, the next genius comes into play and we're getting closer to the ground now, very close to the ground. And that's called the genius of enablement. Now enabling is a good thing other than like around an addiction. You know, people go enabling, that's not good. No, no. Enabling people to realize their dreams or to get a project moving or to start a business or to, or to get things off the ground. There are people in the world who love to be asked to help. And they literally wake up in the morning and they say, if somebody calls me and says, will you help me with something? Even before they know what it is, they're like, oh yeah, that's, I've been put on this earth to come alongside people and help them on their terms to do whatever they want to get done. That's good. Now this, they are some of the best team players. My son, I have a 16-year-old son who's a lacrosse player. All my kids play lacrosse. He is the best team player in every sport he's ever been on. Wow. And um, in fact, he played on a team with Steph Curry's fitness coach, who I'll have to ask you afterward if you know this guy. And, and this guy said, he's my most valuable player. And it, it's because Michael would rebound, play defense, hustle, set picks. He, whatever the coach asked him to do, the other kids would go, well, I want more stats. Michael could care less because he's an enabler. And he said, if they need me to do something, I'll do whatever they need me to do. That's a genius. Yes. And some people, I don't, I don't have this one, though I was a good player and I would do what my coach asked me to do. I really wanted to come up with a new idea and evaluate it. I wanted to come up with a new play because that's my eye, my invention. Michael is like, I want to help others realize their dreams, no matter what that takes. So there are people listening to this that are going to go, oh my gosh, I thought I was just nice. And it's like, no, enablement is a genius and it is without it on a team. And I, you can go through the NBA. I'm sure you know these players and go, that guy, all he wants to do is what they ask him to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately we, we should pay those guys more. Oh, totally. You need those guys. I would like anytime I play five on five, pick up basketball. I want those guys. Set me some screens, pass me the ball. Let me jack up threes. You play all the defense. Yeah, I need the, I need those people in my life. 
Exactly. And we all need to be who we are meant to be. So enablement is important, but then there's the last one. And that's what we call tenacity. This is landing the plane, putting it on the ground. People with tenacity, and this is a genius, wake up in the morning and go, give me a list of to-dos so I can cross them off my list. Give me an obstacle. I just want to plow through it. I'll take care of it. We'll get it done. No matter what, I will not actually be happy unless I can finish things. I do not. This is not a genius of mine. David, I get halfway through my book and I'm ready to move on to the next book. Yeah. And somebody with tenacity has to force me to finish. Pat, I'm the same way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, this is so good. This is gold. Cause when you're saying these, I'm seeing myself, I'm seeing where my wife is. I'm seeing the people that work with me and it's helping me have a better understanding of literally how I can empower and how I can encourage them as they might see some things as flaws is, but it's actually their strength. Like an enabler, waking up to want to serve people or checking off to-do lists. You don't necessarily always think about like, that's a strength you need, but you really do, and that's how you build the best cultures with different different strengths, make this ultimate team. And I know our good friend Eric Spolster is listening to this. He's probably nodding his head like, yeah, amen. Can't have all superstars, need all different roles. So, wow, Pat, well, incredible. And that's what makes Eric such a great coach. He, yeah. I mean, because people, I remember when like, oh, yeah, okay, he had all the, the, the you know, when he had LeBron and, and, and Wade and all those guys. He is coached through teams with completely different talent levels. Yeah. He knows how to get the most out of those guys. Totally. And, totally. and it's because he's curious about this stuff. Like, who is this guy and how should I use him? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so I, he, I think you hit wonder with Eric. And I know we're talking about Eric. He's probably, guys, stop talking about me. But wonder, he's always asking questions, always curious, always wanting to learn from everybody. And, and I think, and I know you've talked about this before. I've listened to a lot of your podcasts about and maybe we can answer this question, but, but Eric's mastered it of how to manage superstars. Like, is it like I yep. see with with companies that I work with and consult for one of the biggest issues is, yeah, they have talent. They have great talent, but they're not working together for the same common goal. And and I'm more on the basis of, hey, I'll take character over talent any day than just talent. every time. Yeah, you agree every time. Yeah. Yeah. Cultural fit. One of my, one of the books I wrote that that was way more popular than I thought it would be was, was called the, um, the, the ideal team player. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it basically said is if you want to have a person who's going to be a great team player, find people who are humble, hungry, and smart. Mm. Right. And, and so many companies and teams, we uh, we found a, a lacrosse team, a coach put that on his team's helmets. And then all these, these CEOs are used like, we're not going to hire anybody if they're not humble, hungry, and smart. Because if you want a team player, it can't be about them. They have to work hard and they have to know how to deal with others. Now, everybody's, nobody's perfect in those areas, but Eric Spolstra knows how to take a guy. We tend to think a power forward is a power forward is a power forward. They're not. Yeah. Figure out who they are figure out what they're best at and figure out how to use them. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of the, the new England Patriots. Now I'm not sure I'd want to play on the team cause it's a little, it's a little tough there, but they know who fits and they get the most out of their guys. And half the time their guys go to other teams and don't do that well, but they did really well there. Mm. And so I'm just fascinated by, do you really understand what you got? And at the New England Patriots, it's like if you're a if you're a fit for that for that culture, 
they're going to get the most out of you. And I think Eric does the same thing down there in, in Miami. You know what? You've probably read this book called The Culture Code by Daniel Coyle, where he goes in depth on the different types of cultures. And like he did the talent code as well, where he goes to these hotbeds of talent. Anyways, it just got me to think right. about it because it is the cultures that you create. It's the like the Spurs, yeah, the Patriots, the Heat, where you create these environments where it doesn't matter who comes in. Now they, they, the team is bigger than the individual. And it's it's funny, man, because in the, in the NBA and just everything at the top level, ego, 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 and it destroys everything. People think they can manage ego, but you can't manage it unless you already have that foundation and that culture built. So that's such a good point, Pat. Absolutely. I mean, I could talk to you about this forever, but did you know that for the longest time, and I'm not saying these guys were bad at all, and I don't know them, but the, the team that won the most games in, in, in Major League Baseball history was the Seattle Mariners at one point. Wow. And it was the year after they got rid of Alex Rodriguez, Randy Johnson, and, oh, and uh, um, who was, and Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, yeah. So they get rid of three first ballot Hall of Famers and the next year, they win more games than any team in the history of baseball. Now, I realize baseball isn't the same kind of sport as basketball. But nonetheless, you took three awesome players off a team. Sometimes the team does better. Mm -hmm. And and you see this in all kinds of sports. Basketball is my favorite because it is so interdependent, you know. Yeah, yeah totally. Pat, I, I could talk to you for days and, and I know time's coming down here and I want to, I've got some rapid fire questions to ask you, but, but, but honestly, there's, there's some, some bigger points that I want to ask you as we wind down. I got two more questions for you. And one question, sure. being, what do you think the biggest flaw of leaders are? Everybody wants to talk about it. Leaders is hot topic. Oh, I'm a leader. I'm leading this. What do you think the biggest flaw of leaders nowadays is? Well, the, the number one quality that you need to have to be a leader is is, and I mean this in a very, not a surface level thing, is humility. Yeah. Humility just means I am not more important than other people. And, 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 and that translates to something called the motive. What is your motive for leading? This is the number one problem. Some leaders lead because they see themselves as, well, this is my responsibility and I need to make the, the people around me better. And so it's a, it's, it's a responsibility and a burden and I'm taking that on for them. Yeah. Okay. The other, that's the right motive. The wrong motive is I'm, I get a reward for this. I get to be more important. I get more attention. I get more control and more power and more fun. And I do this because the economics are personally good for me. Well, if those, the difference between a leader who sees himself as a servant of others versus one who sees themselves as being served by others is everything. Everything. Yeah. It's so everything. Good. Yep. And, and so I, what I do before I wrote this book called the motive and it was my most recent book before this one. And I, I always tell people, you got to read that one first, because if your motive is wrong, you need to adjust it. And I've had people, CEOs write to me and say, I read the book. My motives were wrong. I don't want to be that kind of leader. I'm going to change. I'm going to actually become motivated by serving others rather than serving myself, which seems so simple. But most kids today, David, will say, I want to be a CEO someday, or I want to be the coach of this team or whatever. And if you really dig below the surface, it's like, because I would be important. Yes. And the truth is to be a great leader, you have to, you have to make yourself less important. Mm. And that is when people will follow you. It's beautiful. And isn't it, isn't it crazy? That is exactly what Jesus did. 
he came to serve and not be served when he could have been served by everybody. And it's just it's, the model is just like it's hand in hand. It's right there for us. Uh, wow. You know, I in in the book, I said at the end, I said, I really wish people would stop using the term servant leadership because because it's true, because I think all forms, if it's not servant, then it's not leadership. And I, I agree. Good. Jesus is the model. Yeah. If you're not doing it to serve others, you're not a leader at all. You're yeah, just totally. serving yourself. So when it, when people say servant leadership, like it's a type of leadership, I think it's the only type of leadership. It's really good, man. I haven't heard it said that way. And that's very good. Pat, how, where can everybody follow everything that you do? Website, all that you have going on, books, the, the everything. We'd love, to, we'd love to stalk you, Pat, and all that you're doing. Oh, I love it. There's two places. Well, workinggenius.com is the website for that working genius. And um, it's exploding right now. Thank God. Workinggenius.com. The other place, my company is I, is called The Table Group. That's the umbrella of what it is. And I've had that for 25 years. We have. And it's that's at tablegroup.com. But we have a, a we have a podcast called At The Table, and we have a Working Genius thing. But you can find out about all that at either workinggenius.com or tablegroup.com. Pat, we will link to all of that. We will pump it out there. We will buy books for anybody that writes in and says their biggest takeaway from this podcast or any of your books. Definitely want to support everything that you're doing, Pat, because you're an incredible light. Well, thank you. Of course. Yeah, obviously, for, for sure. Last question before we left you, we'll let you off this hot seat. If you could give a, a kid or someone who is just, just stuck in the position that they're in right now, one piece of advice. It can be a drop the mic piece of advice, a statement, a one word to be able to pivot their perspective and allow them to go on their journey of their own personal success, what would that piece of advice be? Well, I'll, I'll be super honest about this. I would say start with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> because like here's, and what I mean by that is it's easy to go through life and think, okay, my faith is going to be important, but not the most important thing. And I'll get wealthy first or I'll be successful or I'll find my beautiful wife or do all this other stuff hmm. or, or husband, you know, I mean, if it's, if you're, if there's female listeners, I'm sure there are, but, but the, the thing is, for me, I um, realized a little later that none of those other things actually work. And it was Mike Singletary, the, the coach of the Niners, the 49ers years ago, who wears a cross now. And they said, have you always done that? And he goes, no, I, I started this after we won the Super Bowl. And they said, really? Why? And he goes, because after we won the Super Bowl, I wasn't that happy. And I realized I, I'd, been, I'd been climbing the wrong mountain. Wow. And so what I'd say to people is that start climbing the right mountain now, and then everything else is gravy. But so many people, and you know these people, David, athletes, successful CEOs who are climbing a mountain and it's not, it's not satisfying them and they're climbing it and they finally get to that place where they go, what is the purpose of all this? So I would say to, the, to a young person, hey, don't wait until the end of your life or the end of your career. Start now with Jesus. That's what I'm telling my sons. Okay. Everything else makes sense. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my advice. Pat, nothing better than that. Literally, that is it right there. Thank you so right. much, Pat Linshoni, for coming on the David Nurse Podcast and just, just blessing the, the audience, the listeners with your vast knowledge of leadership and just, just the, like your energy, your passion just exudes from this podcast. So I guess thank you for being you, Pat. I appreciate it big time. And right back to you, there's going to be a stack of your books in my office and my sons are all getting them for Christmas because I love them. And it's so good to have made a new friend.
awesome, Pat. Thank you so much. All right. God bless you, Dave.